Hey there all you spooky kids who love a good tale of the supernatural. Today we aim not to disappoint as we find out all about the hotel that inspired one of Stephen King's most well-known novels. I'm Sarah and I'm Lou. Welcome to Where the Monsters Are. If you like what you hear then please subscribe to the channel wherever you're listening and leave us a review too. Also, come find us on Instagram and Twitter. And now, let's head on over to the Stanley Hotel. So the Stanley Hotel is the most haunted hotel in Colorado and probably one of the most well-known haunted hotels in the whole of America. It's up there as one of the top destinations for ghost hunters and horror fans and was the inspiration for one of Stephen King's most famous novels. Okay, so let's go back to the very start and learn a little bit about the history of the hotel. So it's a 142-room colonial-style building in Estes Park in Colorado, and it was built by Freeland Oscar Stanley. Now, Freeland was a very clever guy. He was an inventor, entrepreneur, architect, and a hotelier, and he was also a keen photographer. And with his twin brother, Francis E. Stanley, they invented the Stanley Dry Plate, a photography product that was used to capture images before the use of film was introduced. And this is what initially made them their fortune. They then went on to found the Stanley Motor Carriage Company, where they were manufacturers of steam cars between 1902 and 1924. Their cars were known as the Stanley Steamers and had a top speed of 127 miles per hour, which at that time made them the fastest vehicles on the earth. He was born on the 1st of June 1849 in Kingfield, Maine and he and his twin were the second and third of seven children born to Solomon P. Stanley II and Afia Kezar Stanley. Although the family were not wealthy, the parents were big believers in getting a good education and they encouraged them to study subjects like the sciences, art and poetry from a young age. Their younger sister, Chancenetta Stanley Emmons, achieved recognition in her own right as a photographer. They had an elder brother who was named Isaac Newton Stanley after the English scientist. They had two brothers, Solomon Liberty Stanley named after family members and Bayard Taylor Stanley who was named after a celebrated American writer. Two brothers who died as infants were named John Calvin Stanley after the Protestant reformer and Ulysses Grant Stanley after the Union commander and US president. The names of the twins are said to have been taken from the work of Sir Walter Scott. In fact, Scott's work, Marmion, had special meaning to the twins, and a battle cry that's quoted in the poem, On Stanley On, became the motto of their dry plate company. So back to Freeland. Now in 1903, at the age of 54, Freeland was given only six months to live, when he contracted tuberculosis. The doctor recommended he spent plenty of time in the sun, got lots of dry fresh air and a healthy diet and like many others with the same diagnosis in those times, he moved with his wife Flora to the Rocky Mountains. They arrived in Denver, Colorado in March and then moved to Estes Park to spend the summer and over that time his health improved dramatically. They both fell in love with the area and the beauty of its scenery and they would return then every year after for the holidays. And by 1907, he was recovered completely. But even after his recovery, he would still return to the place that he loved with its healthy environment. But the downside to staying there was the accommodation. It was basic and rustic and not what he was used to by then. 
so in 1908 he purchased the land at Estes Park, where he began the construction of what would become the Stanley Hotel. At the same time, he built a hydroelectric plant in the mountains so that the hotel could be all electric, and it even had telephones in every room. By 1909, the main hotel and concert hall were complete, and then the manor by 1910. And when the first guests began to arrive by train, they were shuttled to the hotel from the station in a fleet of multi-seated vehicles that were specially designed by the Stanley Car Company, and they called them the mountain wagons. As the hotel was a summer resort, heating wasn't added until way later in 1979. And apart from that, the overall look of the hotel hasn't changed to this day. It is built on 11 structures that include the main hotel, the concert hall, a carriage house, the manager's cottage, the gatehouse and the lodge, which is a smaller bed and breakfast that was originally called Stanley Manor. As I said before, he also built a hydroelectric plant and upon opening the hotel was said to have been one of the few in the world that was completely electric. But in 1911, the generator at the plant showed signs of packing up and the lack of power being produced to run the hotel led to them having to install an auxiliary gas lighting system. And on the 25th of June, only a day after the pipes had been filled with gas, they had an explosion that caused injury to one of the maids and also damaged the hotel structure. Now, many different newspapers cover the story, but they all seem to differ on the details. The York Dispatch in Pennsylvania said this, The Stanley Hotel, which was built at the cost of half a million dollars, was partly wrecked last night due to a gas explosion. Eight people were injured, one seriously, but none of the guests. Elizabeth Wilson, a hotel employee, was holed from the second floor to the first and ended up with both ankles broken. When the Lancaster paper reprinted the story, the editor noted that Elizabeth Wilson, who had been noted to have been a resident of Lancaster, didn't appear in any of their local directories or records as being from the area. Other papers gave her name as Elizabeth Lambert and all conveyed their own various dramatic details that could not be confirmed. The most accurate was an article on the incident in the Fort Collins Express, which disputed that the maid had been flung from the second to the first floor. As for the hotel, they released their own statement. They let everyone know that the explosion would not interfere with the reception and entertainment of the guests. The dining room of the Stanley Manor would be used during the time the main building was under repair. The main damage had been confined to the west of the building, so they would still have adequate accommodation for the guests. It was found that the explosion had been caused by the accumulation of acetylene gas from a leaky pipe. The gas had accumulated in the space between the ceiling of the dining room and the floor of the second storey. A chambermaid who was in the room directly above it had lit a match that caused the explosion. The chambermaid, whose name was Lizzie Littenberger, was thrown through a hole in the floor into the debris and suffered two broken ankles. She was trapped in the timber until rescued and taken to hospital. She'd worked at the hotel since its opening and was originally from Philadelphia. Two waiters sustained slight injuries. One a dislocated hip, another was struck in the face by debris. Neither had serious injuries. The dining room suffered the most damage. The large windows were shattered as well as several doors that were ripped from their hinges. 
1926, Flora Stanley's eyesight had deteriorated to the point that she was no longer comfortable in places she didn't know really well. And although Freeland and Flora continued to travel between Newton and Estes Park, Freeland began to think of retirement from public life and about selling his hotel. So later that year, he did just that and sold it to a private company. But the venture failed and he purchased it back out of foreclosure in 1929 before selling it again in 1930 to fellow hotel magnate Roe Emery. In 1939, while in Estes Park, Flora suffered a stroke and died soon thereafter at their Colorado home, Rockside. The next year, Stanley returned to Estes Park for the summer but kept to himself and pretty much went unnoticed. Shortly after his return to Newton in 1940, Stanley died on October the 2nd of heart failure. After being purchased by Roe Emery, the hotel continued to only open in the summer months until 1983. But after several attempts at a revival, it was sold again to John Cullen. The budget was stretched at the time of sale and it affected the service to the point that duvet covers were even being nailed across the windows because they couldn't afford drapes. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. So let's take a look at the 1970s. By then, the hotel was in a downward spiral. The grand opulence it had once oozed had faded away and had been replaced by more modern, cheaper furniture and amenities. It had also by then gained the reputation of being haunted and it pretty much seemed doomed to be heading for a wrecking ball. But then, in 1974, things changed for the hotel when an up-and-coming author of horror novels by the name of Stephen King checked in for the night with his wife, Tabitha. Not only did the hotel set the scene in his head that put him on the path to creating the novel that would change his career, but it also changed the destiny of the Stanley Hotel. At the time, Stephen and Tabitha had been living in Boulder, where Stephen was researching his latest project, but he was struggling and couldn't get into it. He'd been looking for an isolated setting and it was, in fact, some of the locals that suggested he head to Westies Park for some inspiration. They'd heard about the hotel there anyway and so decided they would go to stay. But when they arrived, they found themselves to be the only guests and that the hotel was actually closing the next day for the season. They ate their dinner in an empty dining room and then Tabitha went to their room, which was number 217. While Stephen took a wander around the hotel, he stopped in at the hotel's bar where he spent some time chatting with the bartender whose name happened to be Grady. Stephen couldn't believe it. It was perfect and it got his imagination going wild. The sheer size of the hotel, the isolation of its destination and the fact it was so empty gave it the eerie atmosphere that he'd been looking for for inspiration. When talking about that night at a later date, he said, it was like God had put me there to see that place and hear those things. I dreamed about my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide and screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tr tremendous jerk, sweating all over within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette and sat in a chair looking out of the window at the Rockies and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of The Shining firmly set in my mind. The Shining was published in 1977 and was his third full-length novel after Carrie and Salem's Lot. Stephen would never forget the hotel that had inspired what some say was his masterpiece 
and in 1980, unhappy with the Kubrick interpretation of his novel, he contacted John Cullen and said he wanted to invest in a cinematic overdue staged at the Stanley Hotel. Cullen agreed and in 1996 the production began. The stage in the McGregor Ballroom, the wallpaper and heavy upholstered furniture still decorate the hotel to this day and the miniature version of the hotel that graced the lawn of the Overlook Hotel in the series is on display in the basement at the Stanley. But of course, with the success of The Shining and previous reports of hauntings at the hotel, the sightings of ghosts escalated. There have been supernatural occurrences in virtually every room in the hotel, laughter where there is no one there, shadowy figures, lights flickering and items moving on their own. The ghosts are not a fan of vacuums though, so if you're freaked out, just find a vacuum. They've been known to go crazy when they hear them and turn them off. And cases of the plugs flying out the walls have also been reported. Oh wow. The Stanley Hotel has been referred to as Disneyland for ghosts. They've been visited by numerous paranormal investigators from ghost adventures to sci-fi's ghost hunters. The hotel itself have embraced their supernatural attraction by offering ghost adventure packages where guests are assigned a room on the fourth floor that's complete with ghost hunting equipment and a souvenir mug with the words red rum on them. (laughs) Although the Overlook Hotel is fictional, as are the characters, room 217 was the number of the room Stephen King and his wife stayed in at the Stanley. The explosion in 1911 started in room 217 when the maid lit a match to light the lamps in the room that caused the gas explosion. It's supposed to be haunted by her even though she survived the actual accident. Apart from the fact you may run into Elizabeth's ghost in the room, guests have reported items moving, their luggage being unpacked and the lights being switched on and off. And Elizabeth is said to be very old-fashioned and isn't a fan of unmarried guests sleeping in the same bed. (laughs) And couples have felt a cold force between them in bed. And when they've woken in the morning, the man's luggage has been packed and waiting by the door. (laughs) Not very judgmental. (laughs) That's brilliant. There are, however, no women rotting in the bathtub. Regardless of what has or hasn't happened in room 217, it is still the most requested room to stay in at the hotel. Another bit of info, I'm not sure if anyone knows, but the film Dumb and Dumber was also filmed at the Stanley Hotel and Jim Carrey stayed in room 217 and reportedly got so spooked that he ran out of the room in the middle of the night half naked. (laughs) The concert hall is another area of supernatural interest. Freeland Stanley built the room as a gift for his wife Flora and Harry Houdini once performed there. There's a hatch in the floor of the stage that he used to disappear through. That's still there to this day. Below this is the basement and a bowling alley. It was Flora's favourite room in the hotel and a spirit is said to have been seen there playing her piano until late into the night. Another spirit that can be seen in the concert hall is Paul. Paul worked at the hotel and he used to be the one that enforced the curfews at 11pm back in the early days of the hotel. And still, to this day, guests and employees report to hear a man's voice telling them to get out if they're still there after (laughs) 11pm. A construction worker who was working on the floor late one night reported he felt someone nudging him. This persisted until he eventually got up and left. Paul is also said to be a big fan of the tour groups that visit and has been known to make their flashlights flicker when asked. 
The vortex is a beautiful staircase that joins the floors. It starts in the lobby and is said to be a portal for spiritual energy. Guests that have felt cold spots and have had dizzy spells are usually on the staircase and lots of orbs have been captured by cameras in this area. It's said you may also see Mr and Mrs Stanley standing hand in hand watching over the goings on in the hotel from a position on this staircase. The fourth floor has had a lot of reported occurrences from hearing children running around, laughing and playing, to closet doors opening and closing on their own. The fourth floor was originally the attic area and was the lodgings for the female employees, their children and their nannies. Room 428 on this floor has had reports of furniture moving and footsteps and there's also said to be the ghost of a cowboy in the room who appears in the corner and is by all accounts friendly. He mostly appears to women staying in the room who have said he likes to give ghostly kisses. Although the hotel may have been visited by cowboys, none have been confirmed to have ever died there. But legend has it that it's the ghost of Jim Nugent, the spirit of the Rocky Mountain. In the old days, before refrigerators were invented, the hotel used one of the outbuildings with large blocks of ice in. The building is still there today, only now it's a museum for the Stanley Steamers. But there are said to be two spirits in the ice house. One is a young boy named Billy who is very shy and shows in as a blurry figure in people's photographs. On the grounds of the hotel there's also a pet cemetery and two of the hotel's pets that are buried there are also likely to make appearances. Cassie the Golden Retriever and Comanche a White Cat are often seen and heard. Originally, outside the front of the hotel, there was a long driveway which was used for the Stanley Steamers and a great place for guests to walk and enjoy the views. But in 2015, a competition was held to design a maze for the front lawn to tie the hotel to Stanley Kubrick's film version of The Shining that had a hedge maze. There have been no reports of hauntings in the maze so far, though some people do tend to feel a bit panicky and struggle to breathe while inside it. If you ever should visit the hotel and take the 75-minute historic night tour, you'll get to go down into the underground cave system beneath the hotel. The caves are made up of limestone and quartz, which is believed to capture paranormal energy. Employees use the caves to get around the hotel, and they've reported smelling home-baked goods when there's nowhere to explain the source and the ghost of a grey cat. So if you want to go and stay and you hope to see a ghost, they do multiple daily spirit tours, special bookings for rooms 401, 407, 428 and 217, and they have an on-site psychic who takes consultations. The director of the Shining miniseries is still sceptic even after spending a night in room 217. He said, I fell sound asleep at 10pm and at exactly midnight I woke up and was wide awake for no apparent reason. Others have spoken of feeling like someone sat down on the end of the bed, but that was that didn't happen to me. If it had of, I may have been more willing to embrace the idea of the hotel being haunted. So if you go there today, you'll see the hotel in all its gigantic splendour, sitting on a hill overlooking Guesty's Park. The large white building with its immaculate lawns and red roof. Although the hotel doesn't overuse the connection to The Shining, if you are a Stephen King fan, it's a place you should definitely visit as you'll find small tributes here and there. The basement has a display of some of the film props and the maze 
that now graces the lawn out front is very similar and gives the feel of the Overlook Hotel. It sits in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains National Park and they do actually do expeditions into the Rocky Mountains. The Stanley Hotel has something for everyone, beautiful scenery, crisp fresh air, film memorabilia and if you're lucky or maybe unlucky depending on how you see it, the odd ghost or two. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I've got to say, I would definitely be going there and Me I would too. I would want to be staying in 217. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, anyone that's listening, if you've ever stayed there, then we'd love to hear, you know, any tales you've got. Oh, definitely. Oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I think I'd heard somewhere that the Stanley Hotel is what the Overlook was based on. I think right. I'd heard that. But I didn't know they'd filmed that miniseries in the 90s there. Yeah, I can't remember where they actually filmed um, The Shining now, the actual, what hotel? I can't remember what it was called. I did see it when I was researching. But yeah, he wanted to actually do it at, well, I mean, that was the place that gave him his inspiration. So I'm guessing that's why. Plus, it's a fact, isn't it, that he wasn't happy with the the Kubrick version of the story. And I mean, I do love that film, to be fair. But I mean, as a Stephen King fan and as a fan of that, book it doesn't you know do justice to the book i've never read the book so i don't know but i've I've seen the film and i think it was only in the last couple of years that i've watched the the mini series Mm -hmm. so it was very different to and you did say the mini series is more closer to the book it is and i mean the characters as well i mean you know jack torrance he's he's more like the guy even to the end he's like struggling against it whereas jack nicholson's character totally within five minutes has embraced it and he's running around with an axe (laughs) Uh, i mean him because he saves his family really doesn't he he goes back when the boilers are yeah he kind of sacrifices himself doesn't he yeah so right to the end he's still trying to fight and i mean the wife as well i mean she kind of had something about her in the miniseries whereas in she was just like a mess wasn't she Yeah. yeah Did the fact that Stephen King knew about this gas explosion in the hotel, did that inspire the explosion of the boiler at the end? Maybe, maybe, could have, because I mean, it seems like that would be, it would be a a major coincidence if not. Yeah. I'm guessing he would have researched the history of the hotel and that would be something in his own way he would have uh, brought into the story, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. Was 217 the room number in... The Shining? No, it was 237 in The Shining. Oh, okay. It's a shame you didn't keep that as 217. I should have made a note of it because I did. There was a reason. It was something to do with the hotel where they filmed where they filmed it. Right. Okay. Um, where they filmed The, the Shining. The yeah. Film. I will look that up and we can put it in the notes. Okay. So if any, or on social media if anyone's interested because, yeah, there, there was a reason why it was a different number. In the Kubrick movie. Yeah, it's only one number off, so yeah. there's obviously an homage still there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I guess the, the only other thing I have made a note of is when the Stanley brothers, uh, when Stanley actually created the hotel, they seemed quite ahead of their time having electricity rather yeah. than the gas. Rather than I mean, the they, they always seem pretty ahead of the whole family, to be fair. Yeah. But yeah, the brothers, yeah, the stuff that they were creating. I mean, they didn't invent that dry plate the photography but their version of it was and and the fact that they went into the automotive business and again were ahead of their time in that it seems like everything they did they were top of the game he wants to create 
you know, they create a car. It's the fastest car in the world. Oh, yeah. He builds a hotel. It's one of the first hotels that's completely electric. All the rooms have telephones. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he was, yeah, he was um, very much ahead of his time, I think he was. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm, Okay. No, that sounds cool. It just makes me want to go to Colorado now. Yeah. (laughs) It does look amazing anyway, doesn't it? The scenery. Yeah, you'll have to put some photos of the place on Yeah, Yeah, I've got some pictures of it, so definitely excellent right then well i hope everyone enjoyed that one and if you did please let your friends and family know about us and leave a review too we'd very much appreciate it and if you have any suggestions on future topics you'd like to hear or you just want to get in touch then find us on social media or drop us an email anyway spooky kids and super sleuths until next time sweet dreams bye bye